Welcome to another broadcast of Mindset 2022, a program of Spotlight on Hope, produced by Success Stories Incorporated and sponsored in part by The Episodes Project. I'm your host, Tom McNulty. Welcome. It's great to have you with us again. Thank you for staying with Mindset 2022. The feedback has been tremendous. And for all of you that have shared our podcasts with your friends, colleagues, neighbors, business associates, others in behavioral health, I greatly appreciate it because it's working. Uh, The feedback we're getting is absolutely tremendous. And I hope you share our commitment to getting current and accurate information out to our podcast listeners. So with that said, I have another tough subject to deal with, violent children and behavioral health interventions that should and could be employed to address that. So why violent children? We have seen far too many mass shootings conducted by people under the age of 20. As you've heard me say countless number of times, the adult brain is not fully developed until age 25. And in fact, many pediatric and behavioral health, uh, child and adolescent programs and experts have commented that a true young person, a extended teenager, if you will, can be up to the age of 25. So with that said, what constitutes a troubled child? How would you know? Would you know what to do, what to look for, what to see? And in your own capacity as a friend, a family member, a parent, a teacher, a worker, a neighbor, would you know what to do? And would you know what to do to make an impact and be effective? So what constitutes a child who is appearing to be on the verge of some serious behavioral disorders? Uh, Some of the early warning signs that you would agree with, I'm certain, are bullying behaviors. Uh, Not only being a bully, which is certainly a wake-up call to someone who seems to get some pleasure out of hurting others, but also someone who has been the victim of being bullied. There's a suppressed rage, there's feelings of self-doubt, low self-esteem, and certainly anger that can percolate over time and actually be fed until that child feels that they are in a position to react, respond, or seek revenge. And therefore, all parents should take any bullying behavior very, very seriously because of the consequences of that behavior, consequences of that experience. Um, It can be put in check. And there are some wonderful school programs available now about bullying. There are books and resources that parents can sit and talk to their children about. But I think it requires the basic conversations at the dinner table. And I know the dinner table is far, far away in too many households. 
but it's an opportunity for parents and children to interact and talk about things like bullying. What have they seen? What do they think bullying is? And of course, with the advent of the internet over time and all the social media that has surfaced, uh, our children are exposed to violence, violent behavior, violent games, violent activities, and on stations such as YouTube, some of those things can be uh, broadcast as mini feature films, if you will, of, of several minutes of somebody being brutalized or someone spewing hated information and hatred and racism and other prejudice against kids that are different. Uh, at an early age, kids can tease one another. And if that's not put in check, it can turn into more aggressive behaviors. So be aware of bullying behaviors. Uh, relationship problems of any kind should be very worrisome. And what I mean by relationship problems, I'm not talking about the child who's shy and needs a little support and advice on how to break the ice out in their peer group. But those who are withdrawn, those who don't seem to have friends, uh, those who present themselves in very um, unique, odd, different, and unhealthy ways. I'm not talking about somebody who colors their hair or gets a body piercing. I'm talking about someone who goes out of their way to present an image that is threatening, that is unhealthy, that is associated with violence, associated with racism, uh, white supremacy, hatred of any kind. Uh, someone who has difficulty establishing relationships um, with their own gender, with the opposite sex, with adults. Uh, any kind of relationship difficulty is a warning sign that someone is really struggling in their interpersonal activity. And all of these things don't necessarily, and let me emphasize that, they don't necessarily represent themselves as a guaranteed violent child of the future. However, the research and data shows that when those behaviors are not put in check and redirected and the child is educated, others are participating in a supportive, surrounded environment for that child to grow, then it can exacerbate into something that becomes a little more worrisome and threatening to others. Also, relationships with animals. Kids love pets, but if you notice a child being abusive, kicking a pet, um, torturing a pet, sticking pins in pets, there's many ways, sadly, that pets can be hurt, um, in too many cases tortured, and in even more cases uh, killed in very violent and aggressive ways. So the beginning signs of any child who is abusive to animals of any kind, and I'm not talking about stepping on ants, okay? Let's be real. I'm talking about pets in your home, pets in the neighborhood, uh, pets that go missing. And if you know your child has those behaviors, then it needs to be addressed right away. 
When you're not sure what to do, um, reach out to a behavioral health professional. So if you're worried about your child, I would talk to a pediatrician, make sure there's nothing physical going on. Um, if they have had head trauma from sports, a fall, a concussion, you might want to consult a neurologist to see if there's any brain activity or brain damage that could be causing behaviors to be uh, different, uh, altered behaviors, something that you're not accustomed to seeing, certainly unhealthy behaviors. There just might be a corrective solution that a neurologist with a comprehensive neuropsych exam uh, might discover for you and you can address appropriately. They also should see a psychiatrist, a clinical social worker for what is often called a psychiatric evaluation or a mental status exam. Now you might ask, what's the difference between those two? Well, when you compile enough information uh, perhaps it's drawings, writings, uh, reports from the school, reports from a school nurse, teachers, school administrators. If your child seems to have detention every other day for fighting behaviors, then you want to gather up all of that information and share that with the person doing the assessment, the evaluation. The reason that's important is it helps that individual get a much more comprehensive picture of what that individual has been exposed to, what's happening in the family, what's happening in the neighborhood, how is he or she being treated at school, what are the teacher's perceptions, the school nurse's perception, uh, the gym teacher's perception, how do they interact with others, are they aggressive, are they withdrawn, are they passive aggressive, are they instigators, uh, or are they supportive? So good behaviors and erratic behaviors are all important information because sometimes these things are set off by something that the child experiences and in reality they really don't mean any harm. They're just lashing out. They're acting out. You've heard that phrase before. Also what's available is psychological testing. And psychological testing today is, is very similar to testing done before. It's metrically sound, it's scientifically secure, it's been proven, and the results are consistent. And the more tests that have been done, the more data that's been compiled, you can start to look at certain patterns in an individual that are, in essence, forecasting future problems if they are not corrected. So psychological testing is not a threatening thing, it's not a painful thing. It often involves a series of age-appropriate tests that will reveal certain uh, feelings, emotions, behaviors, and as I said, predict some things that could be coming down the future if the intervention and assessment um, does not lead to successful treatment. All sources of information during that evaluation are really critical. So if there is family history of any kind of mental illness, addiction, that needs to be shared. If the child has witnessed something in the past, 
And uh, Lord knows children are exposed to so many different things today that are puzzling to them, confusing, threatening to them. Uh, and so they hide those things. They don't talk about them because perhaps they feel it makes them different if they do. But they're suppressing the answers that they're looking for when they're exposed to these things. And so it can manifest itself in aggressive behaviors, acting out, um, trouble in school, grades falling, uh, turning to drugs, staying out late at night, sneaking out at night, running away from home, um, breaking things, stealing, any of those behaviors, uh, parents would be wrong if they said this is just all part of growing up. When it occurs in many different formats, so for instance, a child who steals, who's also violent, who also uh, is trouble in school, is never quite fit fitting in with peer groups, doesn't like to participate, uh, can't seem to hold friendships. I think you see where I'm going with this. That's a, it's a compilation of different factors that can lead to um, a recommendation by a behavioral health specialist for that individual to seek some immediate treatment. And just like you would if your child was diagnosed with a serious medical condition, it needs to be taken seriously right away. It's not something you can say, well, let's go home and talk to little Tommy and find out what's going on and give him a little more time to work this out. Um, typically, the things I've described do require uh, expert intervention. And what I encourage people to do is ask a lot of questions, write down questions, but write down observable behaviors with dates. Um, be very candid about what's going on in the home environment. So if there's a pending divorce or separation, if someone very close to that child has passed away, uh, that could help explain uh, some depression, some anxiety. Uh, depression is often suppressed anger uh, turned inward or turned outward towards others. So it's important to give a, a very clear picture of what has transpired in that child's life from birth, really from birth. Any trauma they have witnessed, any trauma they've been exposed to, uh, simple things like if they've moved around a lot and they're always the new kid at school, that can be very awkward for children all the way up through high school. Yeah, all the way up through high school. They can have difficulty adjusting in new environments. And so to get accepted or be part of the group, they might engage in behaviors that are risky. They might engage in drugs. They might engage in... Uh, robbing a store, stealing, uh, things of that nature that will lead to more problems than they expected. So again, it's an opportunity for you to discuss openly what's happening with your child. If you don't want to do it at the dinner table, uh, take them for a walk, go to the park, but have some private time with your child so they know you genuinely care and that you are acknowledging some of what you have seen, and that it brings you concern. Concern as a loving parent, 
not as a disciplinarian, not as someone with a big hammer who's going to punish them for months and months at a time. We all know that doesn't work. What works is someone who has a sympathetic ear, a willingness to listen, and a willingness to help. To help. And so what I'm saying to you is you don't have to do that alone. I'm not expecting all parents to be psychiatrists or clinical social workers, psychiatric nurses, etc. That's when you turn to the experts for help. If you're not sure where to go, ask the guidance counselors, the social workers at school, a school nurse. Ask your pediatrician or your own primary care doctor. Who do they recommend who is good with kids who are troubled? They are out there. But you also want to try and make the best link as soon as possible. Uh, for instance, it would make no sense to send a child to an adult uh, psychiatrist who specializes in working with people older than teenage years, elementary school years. You want someone who has done a lot of work with kids, uh, who knows that children have a full range of emotions at different times because of different experiences. Those are the kind of folks who will sit down with you as parents and as guardians, as foster parents, whatever your case might be, and explain things to you in very practical ways that make you feel more equipped to do the right thing, to do the caring thing, and to do the loving thing. There's not any literature out there that says there are too many hugs and too much love for children going on right now. Quite the contrary. If anything, there's not enough accountability for parents who fail to respond. There's also poor accountability behaviors by parents who rescue their children from consequences for bad behavior because then it gives the child a, a feeling or an expectation that there'll always be someone who gets them out of trouble. And this is not about getting your child out of trouble. It's about getting your child help. You wonder why I'm saying these things. With the mass shootings that have been going on around our country, the realization that many of those are children killing children is quite disturbing, quite disturbing. And no other country in the world that I'm aware of is this such a rampant uh, reality. So much so that children have anxiety now of what's called fear of impending danger. The sense that something bad is going to happen today, I don't know what it is, but I'm afraid of it. I want to try and avoid it. I want to get back home. Uh, I hear a lot of school nurses, for instance, say that children come down complaining of psychosomatic illnesses. In other words, a fake stomach ache, a fake headache, just so they can be sent home and be with their mother and father. That's where they feel secure. So if they feel that there's danger pending, it's important that you talk to them about that and alleviate their fear by addressing what they're saying in a very candid and honest way. Violent children. Imagine, I never imagined I'd be doing a podcast about violent children. 
but the world we live in requires that I do that. The other concern that I wanted to talk to you about in this podcast is what constitutes a professional evaluation and what is the timeliness factor in a professional evaluation. And my advice, as well as my words of caution, are to not wait. Always think about making an error in favor of safety. The safety of your child and the safety of the children around your child, the safety of your community. If you see something that causes you great concern, please don't wait. It's your child. It's your child's life. It's their happiness. And most of the behaviors that we see, if we see them early enough, are very correctable with supportive counseling, with a comprehensive evaluation, with a conversation and an examination by a pediatrician. Why not cover all the bases? Why not ask for an appointment with the principal or the guidance department to say, what else can you tell me about my child? How does he or she act at school? Does she have friends? Does she participate? She tells me she participates. He tells me he plays sports. He tells me that he loves gym. But now I hear that you're telling me there's a different personality that arrives at your doorstep. What's that all about? All of that provides you with insight into what's going on with your child. And parents are accountable. You decided to become a parent. You are a parent now. Hopefully you're not doing it alone, although I know there are many, many single uh, parent families, and that alone is a challenge and, and quite a task. So if you're in that category, you probably are very happy to get help and receive help from a credible source. Uh, so what's the difference between what a psychiatrist does and what a clinical social worker does? Well, a psychiatrist is an MD, a fully trained medical physician whose, whose area of specialization is psychiatry, the study of the mind and behavior. In concert with that, a pediatrician can look at growth and development issues that do feed into a person's overall well-being, a person's behavioral health well-being. A social worker, clinical social worker, and you'll often hear them referred to in their credentials as LCSW-R. That means a licensed clinical social worker registered. Registered means they put in the hours that allows them to be reimbursed for their services by insurance companies and to secure a license to practice as a clinical social worker. It's been my experience for many, many years, and I was a clinician myself, a therapist, when I got out of graduate school. I value clinical social workers. I value them very much because they take a more psychodynamic approach to family issues and to the individual issues. They explore, they examine, they, they use storytelling, 
They encourage storytelling coming back to really help paint a picture of what's going on with that individual and to start a treatment plan that is doable, it's achievable, and it has a, a high likelihood of successful outcome. Uh, they understand family therapy. They understand uh, working with children of all ages. Uh, be sure to ask if they specialize in working with children and adolescents and up to what age. You know, we've all seen very mature 16-year-olds and very immature 25-year-olds. Um, a clinical social worker, a psychiatrist will be able to note those um, progressions as well. Someone who is lagging in emotional development versus someone who is more advanced. It doesn't mean that either one is potentially more at risk than the other. It's just another one of those factors that you want to take a look at in the bigger picture, in totality of all the information that's in front of you. Our world is full of too many children who have resorted to violence because someone didn't turn to them. Someone didn't turn to them. You now have the opportunity with this information to know much more, to take the time to learn much more, to make time for your child, be a good listener. Of course, guiding them, disciplining your children, holding them accountable is all part of helping them grow up. But loving them, hugging them, talking to them, listening to them, taking them seriously is also an important part of parenting. So violent children, who would have thought? But violent children are taking the lives of other children and adults. And we have to do something to stop it. Talk to your politicians. Talk to behavioral health providers. There's a program, too, that I want to recommend to you. It's called Spotlight on the Community. It's an incredibly innovative approach to teaching the major stakeholders in a community, law enforcement, school nurses, teachers, primary care physicians, emergency uh, technicians, EMTs, and others, people in the religious community, anyone who, by virtue of what they do for a living, might be asked, I need help, who can you recommend? Um, the Spotlight on the Community program trains these people to be much better resources in the community. So I would encourage you to ask if your school is participating with the Spotlight on the Community program. It's an initiative of the Episodes Project. The Episodes Project. Spotlight on the Community. Check it out. I wish you nothing but love and support for your child and for your family's growth. I thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And most importantly... Please share this podcast with other parents, with family members who have children, with your aunts and uncles of your children, grandparents. Every single one of them plays a role in your child's development. 
and I hope this podcast will prove helpful to you and to them. Thank you for listening, and until next time, love your child.